Yeah, and welcome to it, the DNA Podcast. Welcome, welcome, everybody. Uh, with Coach Dom, I'm Coach Al. Um, this is the first in the line of many, our pilot run at this thing, but hopefully um, hopefully we can get you guys some good information um, and, uh, you know, promote what we're doing. Uh, this broadcast brought to you by DNA Sports Training. Yes, sir. Um, any specialized training from football to track, uh, we'll get you hooked up, get you worked out so you can be the best on the field and uh, hopefully reach them, uh, them higher levels in which we all hope to achieve. Dom, what's up, man? Nothing much, man. Just just ready to get the show started, excited about our journey we're about to go on, um, and ready to educate and bring some entertainment to, to our fans out there and our viewers. Um, you know, we hope to grow this thing to, to high magnitude of success um, on and off the field. It's going to be fun because, you know, I've never – I've done – I've broadcasted before, but I've never done my own my own podcast. And uh, hooking up with you to do this, man, I think it's going to be it's gonna be fun. I think we got a lot of great ideas. We bounce back off each other on the field. So uh, I think taking that out to the podcast world and kind of helping bring people to our website and to, to do what we're doing. Um, those that don't know, website will be um, dnasportsdenver.com. And uh, you go on there – Catch this podcast. You can book uh, book sessions with us. Um, like I said, any indiv- individualized um, session from football, track and field. I mean, we we'll get coaches out here to do baseball, and we're we're looking to expand this thing across everything besides just what we know and what we're comfortable with. So um, we look forward going. We look forward to you guys joining us going forward and uh, making sure we can we can make this thing pop, man. We're gonna be the, the Rogans of the sports world. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and, you know, to piggyback off that, you know, my mentality with anything is if I don't know it, I'm going to learn it. Um, I'm not going to just go through it. I'm going to grow through it. So, you know, if there's a sport that you play out there and we don't specifically specialize in that, we're going to bring the experts in to make sure that we get you to where you need to be and also we get to where we need to be as coaches so that way we can grow ourselves while we grow you. Watch out with Coach Dom over here with the freestyles and get that boy going, man. He mess around and, and rap the whole day away. Um, I just want to briefly talk about, we kind of did a little bit, but I want to briefly talk about uh, DNA sports training, um, what it is from your angle. Um, you kind of touched on it. Let's just, just go a little bit more. Um, I know from my angle, um, I specialize in, in offensive line play, also specialize in shot putting discus. Um, again, though, like Coach Dom said, we've been around varsity sports for a very long time. Um, our ability to learn has been great, but also our ability to understand what we don't know and to bring in people that do know um, is also big too. So, um, Coach, tell us about your background a little bit. Tell us about yourself and uh, what you're excited about with DNA. Well, you know, first things first, I'm a defensive line coach, um, pass rush specialist specifically. Um, And, you know, I'm going to bring everything from the attitude, the mentality of the game, and my philosophies and, and effort and energy and everything to the field that I think defensive line needs in order to be successful on the field. Um, I also have a background in strength and conditioning, um, speed and agility. You know, we'll be bringing that basketball. Um, I'm starting to dabble in softball a little bit and learn a little bit about that sport as well. Um, But, you know, basically defensive line wise, you know, it's a it's a mentality. It's an attitude. And that's what I want to bring to this podcast, as well as my coaching philosophy within DNA sports itself. That's what I'm talking about. And you are a softball dad now. I forget about that. Um, yes, yes. That's pretty cool. Uh, I used to umpire a little bit, um, baseball, and I did a couple of softball games, but I, I didn't know the game well enough to, like, really be comfortable. Um, but 
it, it's always fun in the sun, dude, and it's always cool. You see them crazy dads out there cheering on their daughters. So I imagine that's something like like what Dom is over here. Yeah, you know, uh, <laughs> before before this journey, I really wasn't too big of a fan of the diamond in in particular. You know, I I played it a little bit, but just you know, going to the game sometimes took a lot of. Uh, endurance as a fan while you're out there in the crowd underneath that sun you know but uh going out there watching my daughter on that diamond pitch you know she's at the mound pitching learning how to pitch and she's doing great brings great energy to the field and and watching those other girls just grow together in such a short period of time it's it's great to see you know their coaches out there are doing a really great job a softball to me seems a little bit quicker but baseball for sure seems like one of them sports that man if you if you're watching it on tv you're not paying attention as much you're more yeah. listening to it um being there at the stadium like going down to Coors Field and watching the baseball game that's fun you know sometimes though it's more it's funner because you're having a couple of cold ones with some friends and whatnot and I think it's more of the company you keep uh with that but uh, you know I, I I've enjoyed baseball my older son he played baseball for years and I enjoyed watching him play and going to the games and and doing everything we did, we went all the way out to Cooperstown with that and saw the saw the Hall of Fame and all that. Nice. So um, I, I definitely enjoy enjoy it a little bit, even though it can be a little tedious watching. Listening. Yeah, yeah, you know, and don't get me wrong, you know, I liked seeing a kid turn a double play or someone smacking the ball out of a park or just seeing a pitcher that just <laughs> you know no one's hitting the ball from. Um, but you know, at the same time, football is is why I am so in love with the sports in general, you know, team yep. sports and individualized sports and things like that. And football's my love and my passion and, and, and you know, it's kinda hard to really focus on other things when, when all you think is football twenty four seven. Well and you got you got a kid playing now, so that uh you got two kids playing. One kid playing football, one kid playing softball and basketball and everything else. So uh I think it's like like any father they kinda get they gain the interest of what their kids are interested in and um and it grows on you. I, I don't think, like I said, I wasn't particularly fond of baseball, but watching my son play baseball, I developed the love for him playing baseball. And yeah. for and I think at the younger levels too, I think elementary and high school, um, you know, those levels of, of any sport really, it's more exciting because you're watching the kids learn, you're watching the kids grow, and they're, you know, they start out as this kid that can't even make contact or yeah. can't get the ball over the plate, and then, after some time, man, they're they're freaking putting it in there. They're they're sending it over the fence. So um, watching their growth, I mean, I know as a father, just seeing my kids grow and do things that they didn't expect that they can do, that's where it's at for me, man. I don't I don't really care about anything else. I don't care if wins or losses. To be honest with you, yep, it's exactly. it's watching them get better and become an athlete that they're hoping to be. Dude, that's where it's at. Growth and progression. That's what it's all about. And that's what we're all about at DNA. It's making getting you from point A to point B. So if you're at, you know, you're at a five, uh, five, five forty, <laughs> we're looking to get you to five flat under five. You know, uh, we're looking to make you a better athlete. We're looking to make you a better person. And at the same time, we're making ourselves better coaches, better people. So, um, and you know, and one thing to that as well is 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 we're not gonna, you know, we're gonna be focused on getting you to that point too. The the fastest. To point A to point B is a straight line, and we're going to make sure that we focus on what you need to get better at, and we're going to really, really get in depth with how we're going to get you to where you want to be in the shortest period of time. It's important you say that, too, because I think efficiency is always important, and I think a lot of times as an athlete, if you're not sure about something, you can sit there spinning your tires and, uh, you know, not being as efficient with your workouts, with what you're learning, with what you're doing, and you can waste a lot of time. And uh, 
time's important, man. I mean, you don't got off season's only so long. Yeah, man, and you know, um, we could talk about it. You know, we're high school coaches, like you said, many years of varsity football and things of that nature, um, varsity track for you, and and you see the kids that come into the high school programs and and during the youth, and no knock to any youth coaches out there. You know, I'm a youth coach myself, um, and that's where I started. But a lot of youth coaches put kids in certain positions. Where when they get to high school, they're focused on playing a position that they're not really built for, yeah. you know, and and they it's a lot of wasted time when you're talking about sports. Cause you know, once you get into high school, those four years just fly yep. right by. And most of the kids that we see from senior year, they regret not really focusing on, on the sport that they loved and, yep. and, and putting that time in to get to where they need to be. And once they're a senior, they're saying, Oh coach, I wish I would have did this. Yep. I wish I would have did that. And then they're those mentors for those younger kids to say, Hey, you really need to focus, you know? So that's why with DNA sports, we want to kind of focus, Focal, focus, uh, focus on what you need to do as an athlete to get better at the young age. You know, if, if you're going out to play quarterback, then we're going to make sure that you stay in shape to play quarterback. We're going to make sure that you have the strength to play quarterback, yeah. the fundamentals and everything else of that nature. You know, if you're built as an offensive lineman, then we're going to make sure that you're the best offensive lineman out there. You know, we're not going to waste your time saying, hey, dude, you should run the ball. No, because every position on the field is an important piece to the puzzle, you know, and if you focus on the position that you start at, you're going to be a better better chance at being a really top-end athlete at the high school level. My son played for this dude named Jesse, uh, Jesse Lopez, and um, he played baseball for him for a number of years. And uh, Jesse, I think he's a coach over at uh, Stanley Lake High School right now, if I'm not okay. mistaken. Or he was. I'm not sure if he's still, he's still coaching. However, um, the thing that Jesse used to I, – I the thing I respected most about him and I used to love about him the most was he had the mindset of like we were just talking about where he's a, he's a, a younger little league coach, right? He's, he's preparing these kids for their next level, which their next level is working up towards high school. And he's not – necessarily molding him in a certain way uh his his philosophy used to always be like yo i don't care if we lose or we win i obviously we want to win but my goal is to get you guys ready for the next level my goal is to get you guys ready for high school so when you go into high school it's not a, a culture shock to you you kind of understand what to expect what to look for and you know hey i've tried these several different positions because he wasn't afraid to put a kid that maybe should have been a first baseman. Hey, let's try you out a second, third. Let's try you out in the outfield. Get you some, get you some looks out otherwhere, uh, elsewhere. Excuse me, um, just so that they know that hey, it ain't always gonna work out the way you want it to be. Sometimes, you know, you come in thinking this and you end up that lord knows i wanted to be a tight end forever in my life as, yeah. a, as a freshman but i came in 5 10 240 pounds coach is like yo offensive line oh yeah I, <laughs> I, I never met those height requirements you know what i mean so i had to realize at a real young age that you know i had to stick to being on the line or or maybe coming off the edge as a line outside linebacker or something when i was a little faster when you know, and smaller, but as soon as I put on these pounds, I knew it was D-line, O-line for me, and that was it. And so, you know, I focused on falling in love with that position, and that's why I'm here today, you know, because I would never want to play another position. If I had a choice to go back and change it, I wouldn't change it. The only thing I would change is I would have stopped playing around thinking I could have been another position, and I would have really focused as a young hmm. man on, on defensive line, offensive line, because, you know, like I said, it's – it takes time on and off the field to really fine tune 
your skill set. You know, you see these pass rushers in the NFL and college and even the elite ones in high school. They don't take no time off. You know, they're focused. They're laser focused on what they want to do. And every day is is a progression, you know, whether they're working hands and feet every single day, you know, they're working on new moves. They're looking at their peers and they're seeing their peers do certain things and they're saying, how does he do that? I want to do that. You know, it's a sponge game. It's a growing game and you learn and you soak up game from others and you apply it to your own, you know, and. And um, it's all copycat. I mean, it's like that with with play calling. It's like that with types of offense that are being run. It's like that with type of defense that are being run. Um, everything's really copycat. You see success and you want to emulate it. And I think that's the most important thing, too. And that's why I always tell our kids uh, that we coach like, hey, go do some studying. Like, who's your favorite defense alignment or who's your favorite offense alignment yeah. or who's your favorite at the position you play? Go study that person. Go study other greats like that person because there's no better teacher than someone that's doing it the right way. There's no better teacher than someone that's excelling and succeeding. And I think I think that's like you take that in anything in life, bro. If you if you surround yourself by success or you envision success and you study success, you're more likely to find the success you're looking for. Whereas if you don't, you don't put in that extra work and you don't really care to find out what, what it's supposed to look like, um, you're more than likely probably not going to reach the pinnacle of what you're trying to reach. But, um, you know, I think – I think it's important, man. Uh, yeah. I think uh, going forward, you know, I look forward to uh, just tapping into some of these kids, man, and, and, and letting, them, letting them find that next level. I know this year with, with track, uh, I kind of talked to you a little bit about a couple of kids that I had, and these kids come in never doing the sport in their life, man, never throwing a shot put in their life. And I think next year, they if they put in the work this offseason, next year they can go to state. And I got three that – I'm looking to take the state next year, and all three of them, you know, high school career is the only time they've ever even touched or seen a shot put. And yeah, that's great, man. That's great to hear, you know, and, and it's great that you already have that vision for them and, and the focus to get them to where they need to be. And, you know, for a lot of those players out there, if you're listening right now, when you have a coach that really is is emphasizing your growth and your ability and and his goals for you and what he can see you do, Believe in it like he believes in it. Because if you guys believe in each other and you put in that work together, the success, it'll be unmatched. You know, and, and it's not always in wins and losses, like you said before, but it's progression. You know, you go go to state, you may not you not take state or whatever, but you may go compete in state. And then you might be able to see, you know what, coach, I progressed this year. And I want to yep. thank you because I never threw a disc in my life. And, and I was competing out there with state champions. So... You know, the sky's the limit, but you also have to believe in your coach like your coach believes in you and put in that same amount of work that he's willing to put in. For sure. And I think I think it's as a coach, I think that's what I try to do is just try to be that belief system. Like you might not see it, but I see it. Right. Yeah. And um, I think it, you can see it happens in football a lot, but I definitely see it in track because track, whether you win or lose, like you're getting a time. Right. Yeah. You're getting a mark. You're getting yeah. a distance. And so you're going to see. Oh shoot! I I ran, you know, a twelve five in the hundred before. Now I'm running a twelve flat. Now it's getting under twelve. Uh, I used to throw thirty feet. Now I'm throwing thirty five. Now I'm throwing forty. Now I'm now I'm placing in events. Like it's tangible, even though you don't win or you, or whatever. It's tangible, and not to mention the fact that you're competing against yourself. And the same thing with football. Like, yo, in football, 
you used to get beat around the edge a lot. Then now you worked on your step, you got your step right, and you're and you're able to secure that edge a little bit more, right? And you live, you learn, um, you make friends on the field, and you kind of have these rivalries that kind of push your growth, and that's important to have, man. You can't be afraid to to have these friendly rivalries with other people on the field, even if it's your teammates, if it's your opponent, because ultimately that's what kind of kind of pushes you to get better. Yeah, that competition, that friendly competition is great. You know, when we're out there, we're coaching, you know, Coach Al and I, we're, we're constantly just bashing each other when, you know, competing, oh, my D-line's going to beat your O-line and your O-line isn't going to do squat type of situation, man, you know. I've got videos and, of this man bumping his gums in the <laughs> shed talking about he's going to do our offensive line in dirty. So yes. it, it's always like that. And I think the kids feed off that too, and it's always positive too, it you is, know what I mean? Like. It it, when we're when we're we're going at each other, but we're also lifting each other up. You know, we're telling each other, "Hey, I beat you like this." Um, that's what I like to see what the kids do too, man. It's like uh, if, if your defensive lineman beats my offensive lineman, or vice versa. You know, I, I tell I tell your defensive lineman, "Hey, you know, you're showing your you're showing your cards a little too yeah. soon." Or tell my offensive lineman, "Yo, don't don't set up too quickly. Let yeah. him make that move. Be reactive towards him. Be counter puncher." You know, and um, I think it starts it starts with that friendly competition, man, and, and that's what how we get better and make your teammates better. Yes, um, and you know, on uh, just to piggyback on what you were saying earlier, you know, with track as far as track, you can really see your progression because you actually get times and and things of that nature. With every other sport, it applies to as well with film study. Yep. You know, if you're watching your film study and whether it's practice film or whether it's game film and you're seeing that, like you said, you're getting beat around the edge or that pass rusher just isn't putting any pressure on the quarterback, well, study that game film and see what you are doing wrong and see where you can improve. That's how you progress in sports is watching yourself do it over and over again. And on the flip side, you can tell when you're not studying. Yes, you can. Because you haven't learned the lessons from the times you've been beat over and over and over and over again. And I can always tell with a kid, without going in the huddle and looking at their minutes, you can always tell when a kid's watching or not watching film because they're not making the same mistakes they made in the in the game or practices before if they're watching film. Whereas a kid that's not watching film, he's doing the same thing. He's not getting off like he should be or he's not stepping the direction he's supposed to or protecting the gap he's supposed to protect. And it shows. So – uh, all you kids out there, all you, all you athletes out there, watch your film, study up. That's like the best way to to become better without putting in like exercise work, right? Like I think we get caught up with the fact that we need to be lifting all the time. And we do. We need to be exercising, working out, running, doing all that stuff. But we neglect the mental part of the game. Yes, yes. And the mental part of the game is so much bigger than the actual physical part of the game. Yeah. Like the physical part of the game is kind of like the buildup to the game, right? Like you're doing everything, working out and all that stuff to get to the game. But when you get inside the game, that's when the mental part takes over because you're going to get tired, you're going to get exhausted, or you're going to get your butt kicked a few times and you're going to be like, well, how the hell do I handle this? Yes. Like what I, you got to be mentally strong and be able to overcome that stuff. So I'm ready to adjust on the fly. For sure. For sure. So it's been a wild week, man. Um, you know, kind of transitioning a little bit. It's been a wild week at Avalanche Stanley Cup champs. Yes, sir. You know, a little bit longer than that. The uh, Colorado Mammoth are national champs with the NLL. And, and you got to give a shout-out to East High School as East well. East High School. Because, you know, they're the national champs. In, DU. And, and, you know, that's great to see at in the same sport, you know, on, on multiple levels where, where we're really, you know, 
I'm sure it's happened before, dude. I don't know. I've ever seen it before, though, where you've got three national champs in the same sport kind of at each level. Yeah. Right. You got the high school, the college and the professional level. And I don't know that I've ever seen it. I'm sure it's happened before, dude. If you go back over to like, you know, back back out east where in, in, up in the upper north where hockey's super popular. I'm sure something like that's happened before. But yeah. big, big ups to, to the Avs, to the yes. to the Mammoth, to the, to the East Angels and to the DU Pioneers for, for their success, man. It's it's cool to have you know titles here in Colorado you know I I think the city's just a different buzz I think everyone's kind of you know especially with all the craziness going on in the world anyhow it's kind of like take take your mind off this for a second let us kind of and then them fools were drinking dude yeah I will say though you know besides the Tampa Bay Lightning there's a few people who took an owl in this situation (laughs) with the Stanley Cup you know and one person in particular was that police officer I don't know if you've Which seen one? it, but during the Stanley Cup parade, there was a police oh. officer. He mistaked <laughs> he, he mistaked one of the Avalanche players Bo for Byron. a fan, Bo Byram for yep. a fan. And, uh, you know, it took a little second uh, of clarification for him. But <laughs> once he got found out who he was dealing with, you know, he let him go join his teammates and celebrate his victory. Bro, I don't know if you have the video on that. After after it's made clear that yo he's part of the avalanche, that officer lets him go and gets back on his bike and looks forward and is like his face is like God damn it. Oh, it's like it's like that <laughs> meme, right? At this moment, he knew he done. done. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, but also, the people who delivered the Stanley Cup. Did you hear about the captain of the team? They <laughs> went to deliver the Stanley Cup. And they delivered it to the wrong residence. Like his neighbor or some shit, right? Yeah, two people that have nothing to do with the Avalanche. They delivered the most prestigious award in the NHL to the wrong place. You bro, know, somebody know. got to tighten up out there. And I don't know if right. I'm answering my door again if you drop off the Stanley Cup at my oh, house, bro. No, I'm like, neither. oh, look at this. I'm, I'm, I'm drinking out Yeah, I was just about to say I'm drinking out of like them fools wearing everything. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I was, I was reading this story about the dude, and I forget his name, and I, damn it, I wish I, I remember it. Uh, I should have wrote it down, but he's he's the dude that basically he's one of the two guys that travel with the cup everywhere, and so okay. everywhere that cup goes, he goes. And he was just talking about how he kind of fell into the job. It was he wor- he's worked for the Hall of Fame for a number of years, and uh, the main guy came up to him and was like, "Hey, you want to you want to do this job?" And he kind of he, uh, the dude thought he the the guy offering him the job was embellishing a little bit about how the job was, and he's like, he undersold the job. He's like, it's fun as heck. Yeah. Like, I go everywhere with this thing. And you know, only imagine, dude, watching these boys get down lately. These last this last week, I mean, the cups already been dented up like three or four. Yeah, you know, I guess, I guess if if that's the case, we take the L because who would not want to have a job like that? You know, where you're traveling with the sports team, or you know, whether you're a towel boy for an NHL or NFL team, or or that guy traveling with the cup. You know, it's pretty pretty rewarding to be able to see the sport that you're watching at the highest level so I, every single day. I think they get like a hundred days with the cup. That's the crazy. avalanche do. And like, and like each guy gets a, a, a certain amount of time with the cup. And so these people go with them yeah. or they, I don't know if they just drop it off and let them have it for a day or whatever. But is it equally dispersed or is it like based off of what you've done for me lately type of scenario? Like the captain I, gets it for a longer period and I don't know, the man. Guys, you know, that yeah. extra guy on the bench doesn't get it. Yeah, for, you didn't play all playoffs. You get it for, you get an it for hour. half hour. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know, man, because like um you know, I, I see Landeskog with that thing a bunch, bro. Like yeah. he's he's around everywhere with that cup. And so oh, hey, well deserved. Yeah. I mean, that dude's been here. Was like eleven years, ten years. I mean, they went through a season six years ago where they were the worst team, one of the worst teams ever. But they were the worst team in the NHL by like twenty points. They 
they were just the bottom of the bottom. Uh, Patrick Waugh had quit like a month before the season started. Ben yeah. took over. And, I mean, to go from three straight disappointments, which, you know, I got my hopes up a few times. This year I got my hopes up, and they stood high, thankfully. Yeah. But to go from that, it's it's pretty cool, man. Watch. Know, and it's cool to see McKinnon on the ice. Oh, boy, yeah. he, is, he is something special on those skates, man. He's so quick. He's so precise with how he skates. It's like a figure skater. Dude, have you ever ice skated? No, and I, and I don't think I have the <laughs> legs for it, honestly, so I don't know if I'll ever try. You know, the last time I even put foot to skate, period, I, I probably pulled something in my back, so I'm not going to try that anytime soon. I'll just spectate from the side and give the respect to those who can. Bro, I never have, and I'm in the same boat, dude. I don't know that I ever could. Yeah. Not, not that saying I ever will. I just don't think I could. Um, dude, the way they move, and specifically McKinnon, uh, McCarr, they're yeah. so quick, yeah. and they change, pay, change the speed and the, the pace so just with ease, bro. Like, it's wild, dude, to see people move like that on the ice and then stop on a dime. Like, McKinnon was, was doing all those where he'd come up ice and he'd, like, stop and, like, rotate around. Yeah, and, and if he would have hit one of those shots, oh, my gosh, it would have been – Dude. It would have been all over the place all week long. His play that gets forgotten in the St. Louis series, uh, when they – game five, but they lost. They should have won the damn game. But he hits, he gets his hat trick, and his third goal was like from – it was a, they call it a 200-foot play. He went from his end with the puck, maneuvering, getting through folk, and then, boom, shoots and scores. Yeah. And, and – Man, if that would have won that series, you'd have been hearing about that play. You still hear a lot about it, but it kind of them losing that game kind of took some of that that flavor off of that dude. But yeah, you know the mentality of the game too, like the mental aspect of what you said before. How do you think those opponents of the Avalanche are feeling once you're getting ready to go into overtime with that team? You know, you better get it done in the regular time that you have because once you get into overtime with the Avalanche, their success rate is out this world. Dude. You know, they're great in overtime. They finish games. And what's crazy is they don't have – this season they didn't have that goalie, right? Like, yeah. Kemper was decent. Like, I, I always can say he was above average to good. Same with Fran, uh, Francois, you know, above average to good. But, you know, you see that a lot with, like – well, like Tampa, their goalie. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and then Patrick Waz, the Martin Broders of the, of the back in the day, you know, where you know if you're going into overtime, this dude's going to give you your best chance to win. Like I yeah. think back to the to Game Four of the 1996 Stanley Cup, where we where we beat the Florida Panthers. Patrick Waugh stopped 63 shots. Yeah, we won the game one nothing. Yeah, it was different back then, though. You it, know? it definitely was, but at the same time, I mean, uh, the goalie for Tampa, Vasilevsky, that dude stopped. There was a game. I he think did. It was Game Five here in yeah, Colorado. He, he, he stopped like forty something shots. He dude. kept them in this series. He honestly. was the only reason they didn't get swept, bro. Yeah. Was. Like straight up, like he was the reason. Oh, hit their goalie and ours is the only reason why they didn't get swept. <laughs> Let's keep it real. <laughs> hey, but hey, Kemp's was big when he needed to be, bro. And I, I remember talking to my brother during yeah. Game Six, like after he gave up that first goal, I was like, "Dude, it, it's and, all coaching, though." Bro. Yeah, you know, taking him out of that game and then putting him back in, um, you know, it it was totally the right decision because it was his staring to the mirror moment. Yeah. You know, he got pulled from that game, and you can tell that visually it just affected him. And so he came back when they put him back in and gave him the starting nod again, and he was a different goalie. You know, they may have squeezed a few past him, but yeah. shots out to Tampa Bay, they were playing great at that time too. They had some momentum behind him. But the goalie, he definitely stepped it up and tightened up his game. It goes back to that mental focus too, bro. Like, um, 
being able to be mentally strong enough to be like, all right, I got pulled from the last game. What happened in the last game was the last game. This game's a different game. We're going to do different. We're going to go out there and stop the shots. And lesser people, bro, like some folks aren't that strong mentally. So, you know, you pull them out that situation there in their head and and it's over from that point, man. And that's that's the biggest thing with athletics, right, is like keeping people out their own head so that they don't, ruin their own performance because I think we're our biggest detriment to our performance. It's not necessarily, yes, you know, a good defender or somebody opposite of you could affect how your, how your outcome is. But if you've already lost mentally before stepping on the field or, or the court, it's, there's, it's done. Like there's nothing you can do to make it, make it any different. Like if you don't believe already, you're pretty much done. And I think when camps came back in there after being benched, he still had the belief, like, I can get this done, you know. And so that was a big ups for the Avs, though, man. That was super That was it super is. dope. It is. Um, you know, while we're reflecting this week, I want to definitely speak on a situation. Um, you know, back on June 21st, Jalen Ferguson of the, of the Ravens died of a cocaine and fentanyl overdose. Um, his death was officially ruled an accident this Friday, and he, they had his services Saturday in Baines, Louisiana. So I just want to take this moment to, to, you know, touch on that a little bit and say, you know, give our condolences and our respects to the Baltimore Ravens, his family, and everybody else affected by this situation. But also to shed light on on why athletes have to watch everything that they do on and off the field, you know, and, you know, why some want to enjoy their life and think they're having a good time and, and just enjoying a party, you know. You know, any given choice that you make can be your last choice. For sure. Um, you know, and as an athlete, the spotlight is on you, so you really have to watch what you're doing on and off the field, and you can't put yourself in cer- certain situations to where – where, you know, something tragic like this can happen, you know, and, you know, I don't know his story or... or He's a young what, dude, right? What, yeah, what he was battling with, if he was just enjoying the night, you know. Yeah. But that just shows that that you can't... You never know what you're taking, you know, and and you have to really treat your body as a, as a specimen and, and not really, you know, do things of that nature and, and put yourself in those situations, Um if you're if you're trying to succeed in sports, it's really hard to to be successful if you have a monkey on your back, yeah. and and you know you got to make sure that you don't fall into that temptation because it's going to be there. Yeah. You know the party lifestyle is going to be there. We've all been tempted with it, well, and, especially if you're making millions, bro, or yeah. if even even you're making hundreds of thousands, right? Like yeah. you you have more options and more doors available to you in terms of that aspect in that realm. So it, it's sad, bro. Like um, and and. Fentanyl's been a, dang, a thing that's touched even in our, our area, in our community, bro. Yeah, it's like in it's, everything nowadays. It's, it's wild, dude. Like, and and it, it isn't slowing down. And you know, you 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 know, what was it, a couple months back, the the young family that died, like five people. They were all in their freaking early twenties, and yep. you know, it's a night of partying or a night of a good time. Thinking, you know, we've done this before. This is something we're gonna have some fun, and you know, and it doesn't. You don't wake up the next day, man. Like. You really got to take advantage of your opportunities and be blessed and understand that we're so our existence is so fragile. Like our existence is, you know, there's so many things that can take us out in a moment's notice, dude, that we got to appreciate every opportunity we have. And I'm not saying that that young man didn't appreciate life because I'm sure he did, man. I'm sure he appreciated being in the NFL and playing for the Ravens and playing football and stuff. And he probably didn't think that that was going to be it. No, one bad choice. Yeah. And, you know. 
it, it goes it goes for, it goes with everything else, man. Like we just got to be more thoughtful in what we're doing, and we got to be careful in what we're doing. It's it's similar to when we were marching a couple years ago about these kids shooting each other and killing each other in the streets, man. Like yeah. you might think you're going out and having a good time, gonna go hang out with some friends, gonna go do our thing, and then you know you cross the wrong person and life changes forever, dude. So I, I it breaks my heart, man. Anytime I see young folks dying like yeah. that, um, people with potential, uh, what's the old saying? There's nothing worse than wasted potential. Like, mm-hmm. uh, it's Sean Watson. Yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a whole nother story, yeah. but it's just unfortunate, man. Like it just goes to show you, dude, you can have the world and, it still be something else you need, something yeah. else you want, something else you desire. We deal with demons on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. And it's just important to be there for each other and, you know, big up each other, man. And that's what we do. That's what, that's what I'm proud to do. And I think, I think uh, you were talking about the other day at your, at the lovely party you hosted for your wife. By thank the way. you. Happy thank birthday you. to your that. wife. Uh, it was a great time. A lot of, a lot of cool people, a lot of family, friends and folks that I ain't seen. I ain't seen Zach for, freaking decades bro yeah literally and i seen him good people yeah dude and but it's it's the same thing though man just you know showing love you're you're talking about i'm the yin to your yang and it's love like that man you got to have people that kind of keep you leveled and that you can always go to so if you ain't got one of those try to find you one uh reach out don't ever be afraid to reach out to folks and 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 let your guard down i think i think we're we're, we're too guarded bro yeah that's what you said that that is that is key because that's who i am exactly Right, is I have this big guard up, and, and, you know, I have trust issues with a lot of people in life. And uh, my family give me grief about it all the time. They say, you know, you really have little to no friends, Dad, and this and that. You know, it's because I am real guarded, you know. and But once I let you in, you know you're more than a friend, you're family. And, and that's what that party was. It was a bunch of family, you know. Everybody that was here were people that we consider close to our family, and we want around our children because it takes a village to raise children. That you it know, does. And, and to have good people around your children that they can look up to and they can go to if they need something ever in life is just a great support system. And, and you need that because it's hard to take this world on all alone. Yeah. And it goes, and it goes back to surrounding yourself with success, right? Like we were talking about a little bit earlier. Like as a, as a family, it's good to be around other families, right? Other happy, thriving families because not everything sunshines and rainbows, yeah. right? There's hard days as a husband. As a father, there's hard days that, you know, sometimes you're like, God, why am I even doing this? But it's important to be around others that have gotten through those hard days, too. Yeah. It it molds you. Iron sharpens iron. It definitely does. Um, You know, and I touched on it a little bit, not to make a joke of the situation. Um, First and foremost, I want to, again, give our condolences to Jalen Ferguson and his family um, before we move on from that topic, but then also just touch base on Deshaun Watson, man, and wasted, wasted talent. You know, um, you know that man again is battling his own demons internally of what, what, with what he likes. You know, whatever floats your boat, that's your business. You know, but at the same time, there's there's boundaries to everything in life, and you got to respect people's boundaries. And just because you are of a certain stature or or, or certain you know, you've made it to a certain level in life. It doesn't allow you the opportunity to do whatever you want. Um, Athletes, you have to really, really watch what you're doing out there and don't 
confuse your money and your success with power because that's not what it is. You know, money and success, you got to reap the rewards of your benefits and and count your blessings, but you can't confuse it with power because when you confuse it with power, you get yourself in bad situations and you do things that, you know, may not normally be of your character, but to other people are very offensive and put you in bad situations. And, you know, I hope with the Deshaun Watson situation, everything gets situated and and figured out in the appropriate manner. But I also want to, you know, hope the best for him as well, you know, because you hate to see a young athlete who's worked so hard his whole life just lose everything based off of some bad decisions in life. And and I'll and I'll attack it from this angle. And let me just preface this by saying like I don't necessarily believe what I'm about to say in mm-hmm. a sense, right? But it's just another way to look at it as an athlete. You can't put yourself in a position to even have those things come up. And I'm not suggesting that them girls aren't telling the truth because I don't know only Sean and them girls know the truth, right? Correct, correct. But you can't put yourself in a position to be accused of something like that. Like, you've got to be able to be, like... Know your surroundings. Yes, man. Like, listen, if you're a young athlete, man, and I know young men, and, you know, their their hormones are going crazy, man. Yep. Testosterone-driven. They're trying to find ladies and all that stuff. But you can't put yourself in a position to be compromised. And, again, not suggesting that that's even the case, but I'm just saying, in, in general, as an athlete... And it's like this with anything. If you're rolling around with people with drugs or rolling yeah. around with people that are packing guns, yeah. you know, and then they get caught and you're arrested along with them, you can't put yourself in compromising positions that are going to compromise your future, especially if you have some potential, especially if you have an opportunity to perhaps go play at the next level, whether that be college, professional, uh, semi-pro, whatever. Um, you can't put yourself in compromising positions. you got to be smarter than that. And, that, and again, <laughs> I hate to keep going back to it, but that's the mental aspect of life and of the game. Yeah. You can't put yourself in bad spots you got to be able to understand the situation read the room you know i know sometimes we can get a little full of ourselves when we got a little bit of money you get a little point coin change you get to going around like casanova man and you just got to understand like not everyone has the best intentions for you yep. some folks will see you as an opportunity yes. and again that's not what i'm saying these girls are doing like i don't know i don't know enough about the situation like obviously i know there's a bunch like what 20 something girls that have filed suit he settled with some he's got some other suits coming up but you got to understand who you are and understand that not everyone has the best intentions for you yes yes for sure for sure and you know another thing is is everything in life it goes back to the old saying nothing in life is free right you have to do Everything with the mentality that somebody wants something in return out of any situation, you know, and you got to respect people's boundaries and, you know, read the room and make sure that what you want is the other same thing that the other person wants. But also know that if a situation or something sounds like it's too good to be true or, (laughs) you know, the night's going really well, then maybe you need to second guess that athlete and really, really take yourself out of the situation and, and, you know, maybe look forward to night two with that person. If it's really that special before you just dive into the situation and and trust me, I'm a man. I was a young man at one point, you know, temptation is real party scenes are, you know, very, very, erotic at times and 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 there's a lot of temptation and things out there that that you know young men just you know 
mindset goes give out. into, but rain goes out the window. But you know, we we have to be smarter with all of our t- decisions, and we have to respect other people um, while we're going through things. You know, we can't just again confuse our money and our success for power. We have to respect people. We have to respect people's boundaries and what they do and they don't want. Um, whether we do or don't want the same thing, we have to respect their wishes. That's right. So kind of hitting a little half halftime segment, you know what I mean? Both yes, teams sir. going back into the locker room real quick. And so it's July, July 4th. Happy 4th of July, everybody. Uh, happy birthday, America. Yeah. Uh, a lot of crazy stuff that goes on in this country, but still one of the best things going on in the world. Yeah. Um, still a beacon of hope and the beacon of change that we like to think of our country to be. Um, but July brings a month closer to the football season. It does. Which brings us a month closer to fantasy football. It does. Don, I know you're a fantasy football pro. Now, I know last year in our coaches uh, league, it didn't go as good for you as it did for me. No, it didn't. Not but... Quite. But I know you're a fantasy football uh, stud, so you how do you feel about this season? You know, I think sometimes it's all about the matchup as well. You know, before we get on to this season, I just want to <laughs> clarify that last season, sometimes you run into a Buzz certain off. matchup where, you know, you may not be successful with, and then you sit back the next week and you say, I should be in that match because I'd be a better matchup against this powerhouse of a team that you had. You know, so... That's Coach's you way know, of saying he should have faced me in the championship and lost to me. But, hey, you know, hey, it is what it is. I think I would have had a better <laughs> shot. But I'm just saying, you know, I won it the year before. You won it last year. So we'll look forward to this year and see who wins the tiebreaker. But I plan on taking it down. Um, you what's, know. Your, what's your, uh, what's your like, go-to first-round pick, bro? Like, uh, I, I know, like, leagues are different. There's PPR leagues and there's leagues that – like, I'm in a league with my cousin, bro, where I get points for every touch. Yeah, so that's like, crazy. Dude, my first round is like running back. My second round is running back. My third round is those running those back. Those are NBA scores. Bro, we, we get up to like 230 points on a, on a good team. That's crazy. That's ridiculous. It, it's wild, though, bro, because it takes a lot of planning. Like, yeah. it, it, you got to go study who gets but, touches. But then, but then does it? It does, though, because like because I say. Joe Schmlo could score as much as bro, I had Aaron Joe Jones. Mixon. I had Aaron Jones last year. Yeah. Right? And. There was a couple of times where Aaron Jones didn't get no touches. Yeah. Like 15 touches. And I'm projected, he's projected to score like 40, 50 points, and I get like 25 points with him, yeah. you know? Um, but then there's like filler backs like Alex Collins, for instance, mm-hmm. right? Last year, Baltimore Ravens had so many issues with their running back room, so many injuries. You get guys that they're just going to get touches because they need to run the ball to keep the teams honest, right? Yeah. So it kind of goes into that, like strategizing. Okay, I know this wide receiver gets ten looks every time, right? And he's and he he doesn't drop balls very much, so I know he's going to catch nine of them, eight of them, right? So there is some strategy there. Yeah, like you got to understand touches. Some folks just go after names, but right? it evens. Yeah, they do, but it evens the playing field a little bit as well because you know, like I said, you can get a guy who's not your top end athlete, but gets a lot of looks. Um, and he'll score just as much as yep. the guys who are, are supposed to be the guy. You know, yep. for instance, maybe a Hunter Renfro to a Jamar Chase. You know, yep. they're scoring equally in your league when, you know. Another one, uh, what's the dude's name? The running back for the Raiders. Um, Josh Jacobs. Jacobs. Josh Jacobs, right? I had Josh Jacobs. But we get down to the end Injury. zone. Yeah. 
you know, there was only a handful of games where they gave him the ball down in the end zone. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, I had Javante Williams in 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 that league. Right. Yeah. Another thing, they put Malvin Gordon in there, right? Javante might get 20 touches, but if he ain't getting them red zone touches, he's not getting them touchdowns, it doesn't score as high, right? Whereas you get someone like, uh, I don't know, uh, Derrick Henry, right? Mm. You know he's going to get the touches in the red zone, right? You know, or, again, um, the backup for the Packers, not um, A.J. Dillon, right? I had Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones get down to the red zone. They put A.J. Dillon in there. A.J. Dillon had scored a touchdown. A.J. Dillon also split the carries almost 50-50 with Aaron Jones. So here I thought I had I had the stud. The dude that's behind him is the stud. So I don't know, man. Fantasy is always fun. It's always quirky like that. Yeah, and, and, and one thing for me is, so you asked the question of what kind of strategy I approach draft with, and I know this sounds cliche, but – it really depends on your scoring system, but I'm the best available guy, right? Yeah. I'm always trying to get the most value for my pick, um, you know, so I may not go after your top end guys, you know. I may go after a guy who has more, you know, throughput and, 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 and actual receptions or looks, like yep. you said, targets, you know, because even if we're not a every-touch league you know targets are still targets and and percentages are still percentages at the end of the day so however you want to slice the cookie um you want the guys who get the most attention that's like going into the like macro micro stats like not just on the surface stats like yeah he gets a thousand yards and he's gotten 100 receptions but that's all nice but how do you separate the guys that get 50 to 75 receptions and just under a thousand who are the workers how do you separate those ones so yeah you know, like guys like Hunter Renfro. Yeah. You know, you know they're going to him in third down. You know they're going to him to move the chains. You know, you know, you know he's a highly targeted a person. He might not rack up as many yards or yards after the catch or receptions as some other guys, but you're looking for a wide receiver too, or you're looking for a flex option. You got to understand how this person is targeted and how this person's used in the offense too. Yeah. And speaking of Hunter Renfro, what do you think about the Devonte Adams trade? Do you think it's going to benefit Hunter Renfro, or do you think it's going to take away from the value that he has in fantasy football based off of last year's performance he had? Because he had a, you know, career year last year. I think on the surface, on the surface, you would say it's going to take away from some of his stats. And it probably should, some of his receptions. But he wasn't the only wide receiver out there last year either. So there was other wide receivers getting targets. So I think some of them targets might work towards Devontae Adams opposed to maybe some of Hunter's targets going going from him. But at the same time, uh, Carr knows who he's looking for on third down, mm-hmm. right? Third and Renfro, right? Yep. He, know who, he knows who he's looking for in them touch situations in the red zone. Like, Devontae Adams is a beast, bro. And he was – everything Green Bay had on offense. Like, they were stupid to let that boy go, especially if they were going to bring back Aaron Rodgers. Like, if you weren't going to bring back Aaron Rodgers and blow the whole damn thing up, cool, let him go. Yeah, what's the point? Yeah, but I think with Carr, he's a more than serviceable and more than available quarterback. I think he's highly underrated. Um, Completely. He he could frustrate people, and I get that. Like, but – Dude, would you rather have Carr or would you rather have freaking uh, the boy that used to be here in Denver, uh, Drew Locke? You know what I mean? (laughs) We were talking about – I was talking to one of my nephews at the party the other day, and and they were talking about how Drew Locke is a meme in Seattle because how they're going (laughs) to do so horrible with him. And I said, well – how you feel being a Bronco fan? You had to deal with him for two seasons, right? Or was it three, two or three seasons with Drew Locke? So, DK Metcalf, I think it was. It was one of the wide receivers for Seattle. 
had, had posted something on Twitter about the Wim- uh, Wimbledon tournament, you know, the tennis tournament. I think that's what and it he's was. like, not a real sport or something like that. Oh yeah, that's and, what it and, was. And somebody replied to him, "Dude, you get to you get to watch 17 games of Drew Locke while yeah. playing quarterback. Talk about not a real sport." Like, yeah, man, like dude, there's there's a handful of quarterbacks that you can compare to to Carr and be like, "Do you want him or him?" And it's like there's no brainers, bro. Like, you know, you're taking Carr over probably just not even looking at the list. I take him top 15 over a lot of other guys. Oh, and yeah, and that's for sure. It, I I'm not being biased, you know, but I personally As think he has he's, a Raider hat on. Yeah, I personally <laughs> think Carr is a top five quarterback. I think he's been a top five quarterback. When you're talking about yards and touchdowns, him and Aaron Rodgers are two of the only quarterbacks to put up the numbers that they put up the last four seasons. Um, so I think, you know, numbers speak for themselves. However, Derek Carr does make a lot of mistakes, and mistakes also take away from fantasy value. So that's what hurts Derek Carr the most. If he can eliminate a lot of his mistakes, um, and I'm not just talking turnovers. I'm talking bad throws that lead to punts, three and outs, things like that. I think if he can eliminate some of those mistakes, not only will the Raiders win a Super Bowl really soon, but I think he'll be a top quarterback in fantasy football for years to come if he can eliminate some of that. He's definitely, in my opinion, my humble opinion, he's not – a top five fantasy quarterback, um, just because I don't think his numbers are as consistent as some of the other guys. Um, but I, I consider him a top 12 overall quarterback, maybe top 10 overall quarterback, if I'm being honest. I mean, I, uh, I'm i a, I'm a Miami Dolphin fan, lifelong. I take him over Tua. Yeah. Fast, bro. Yeah. Fast. I take him over Tua and Teddy Bridgewater. But how much of that is to support around them? You know what true, I mean? Like, true. a lot of Derek Carr's fantasy love comes from Hunter Renfro, Darren Waller, and Waller Devontae screwed me Adams. over this last season, man. I don't he even did. want to hear he, about Waller. He played, you know, <laughs> you know, Darren Waller will bounce back. He's top three tight ends. If you do not pick up a Kittle, Kelsey, or Waller this year, you might as well wait a little bit, in my opinion. Yep. Um, but uh, Waller will bounce back. He was just banged up a little bit last year, and, and you know, I think the help with Devontae Adams will take some of that pressure off of him and Renfro and, and look for Waller to have a bounce back year this year. Um, one thing I wanted to ask you about fantasy football is what's your take on guys that are either coming into the season with an injury or a suspension um, like Alvin Kamara or Deshaun Watson? Do you waste a draft pick on a guy like that, or do you just pick him up on the waivers afterwards if – a situation, you know, how many games is too many games to lose when you're talking fantasy football? I like to call it a waste to value ratio, yeah. right? Like, am I going to waste this pick or is there value at this pick? If I get to my 10th, 11th pick and there's someone that has like an eight game suspension that's there. Yeah. Maybe take a runner on it instead of taking somebody that's not like you get down to the bottom of your draft and sometimes you're looking at best available, Right. And if the person isn't going to be gone the whole season, or it's going to, it, that might be a, a, a stash and stave, right? You just draft them and you stash them away. And um, I've done it in the past where it's worked out for me, and I've done it in the past where it didn't. I had Christian McCaffrey um, a couple years back, stashed, you know, stashed him after he got hurt. I stashed him, and then when it came back that he was in the comeback from his injury. Well, I pulled him out, and I was able to trade him away for assets. Yeah. Right? Um, I think maybe stashing him and keeping him. Now, 
if there's obviously better players available at that particular point, I'm not going to do it. I'll, I'll let him ride to the waivers. And if he's on the waivers, then maybe I'll, I'll swoop him up. Um, I don't mind doing it. I don't do it a lot. And I think it just depends on the player. Um, if it's a player where it's kind of uncertain how they're going to come back, if they've had multiple injuries, maybe I'll stay away from them a little bit. Right. Yeah. Uh, you always see the one person though. Sixth round, I'm taking Deshaun Watson. He's gonna be back after ten games. Like, yeah, you no, know, bro. for me, for me, I think it's is there trade value in him? Yeah. You know, that's really the only time that I even contemplate it. Because for me, losing one week in fantasy football is is, is a is a lot of time. Yeah. Um. You know, if you drop the first few weeks of fantasy football, you're at risk of not making the playoffs. Yeah. This isn't the NFL where you can lose the first two weeks and then still win the Super Bowl. Yep. It's not going to happen. I mean, sometimes you can, but if you're sitting around and you're trying to, you know, play the the matchups and, and even come towards bye weeks and you have someone sitting on your bench that you've just been holding on to all year long, yep. that is wasted value. And, you know, to me, I'm going to pick up a guy who may have a four to six game suspension, you know, if – if, again, I'm later around and I don't have anybody necessarily on the board that I want per se, but I see a value and trade value for that person, then I may pick up a Deshaun Watson, Alvin Kamara, and say, you know what, they, the, there may be a sucker out there who thinks he's really going to be back in four weeks, and yep. I may be able to trade some you know, mid-tier running backs or receivers for a guy who's probably not going to play too much this is, season. Is Kamara suspended? There, um, you know, Kamara actually has the risk of being out all year. He's potentially really? facing charges. I'd have to look up the more. I knew he did. I knew something happened. I just can't remember what happened. Yeah, so he got into an altercation where he physically assaulted somebody pretty bad. Um, and again, I don't want to speak too much on it because I don't know too much of the details. Um, but I do know that he is facing criminal charges still. So which. With criminal charges always comes suspension. Suspension. And even in the NFL, you don't even have to be criminally charged anymore nope. to be suspended. Roger Goodell can just suspend you for the hell of it. Uh, I'll I tell you right now, uh, 12th round comes around, 13th round comes around in my fantasy draft, and Kamara's on the board. Depending on what else is there, I'm probably taking him. Yeah. I mean, because if he comes back, you're a sucker, right? Yep. And that's the best pick of the year. Dude, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a waiver rat. Me too. I, I'd never uh, finish a, a year with my – Draft roster. Well, uh, you look Ever. at my look at my transactions on a season. There's at least 30, 40 transactions. Like, uh, I play that waiver, bro. Especially because like if I have a core set of guys, um, but I'm able to just steal some points based off of like because there's always somebody that comes out of nowhere. And that's another one, another one of my like little philosophies, so to speak, that I like is that um, I will uh, I will uh, take rookie running backs, bro, that no one's heard of. Right, like last year, Javante Williams helped me out a ton. Yeah, not a big name, not a, not a lot expected out of him. Uh, I love drafting rookie running backs. Yeah, uh, he's gonna have a big year this year. Dalvin Cook's rookie year, bro. He took me all the way to the championship. I lost, but he, he took me to the championship. You know, it's just finding these guys that come out of nowhere is always is always a steal. And I think it, it's the same way on the waivers. Uh, Raheem Mostert, I think I've picked up on waivers and, and you know rode him for a couple weeks till he got hurt and then got rid of him. I'm like I'm like a I'm like a true NFL owner when it comes Me to too. the players with injuries. Oh, <laughs> so last year was one of my toughest years fantasy wise, right? Because obviously I watch you run away with the championship because somebody else Gone. isn't as good as I am the week Gone. I play him. Um, Gone. But in my in my league that I got in at my job, oh man, it was so frustrating because 
there was this one particular owner who for some reason, I don't know if it's the position he held within my company or what it was, or he's just a smooth talker, talk to, you know, he he convinced everybody to give him <laughs> the most ridiculous trades. And I wish I could pull one up in particular and show you from last year. Um, but man, his, by the end of the year, there was no reason why he should have ever lost the game that he lost in the championship. But, you know, karma kind of came around to get him on that one. But, dude, he had such a loaded roster. And week by week, I was watching him beat teams that he was just clearly not going to lose to because other people gave him the... Oh he had probably, at every position, he probably had the top two players at every position. Wow. And you that's got- because people were just trading away top two players for mid-row players, Al. And and I'm telling you, they were disgusting trades that I could, I just. So did that league, did that league do veto of trades at all? Um, Well, he was the commissioner. Oh, God damn. (laughs) So you can't veto the commission when the motherfucker is, oh, excuse my language. (laughs) He's working. We'll bleep that out in editing. (laughs) Yeah, he's, he's, he's working it, you know. So, and like I said, I don't know if he was the commish and because he happens to be, a high-end manager at my company oh, that other people were giving him, you know, little nepotism. I need next Friday <laughs> off, dog. Here's here's my best wide receiver. Yeah, I don't know what was going on there, but uh, know, it was part frustrating. Of league, bro, where it's like, where I'm thinking, so like this league I was in last year, because uh, I was in like three leagues last year, our coaches league, and then two of my cousins had leagues. So, uh, but one of the leagues I was in last year, bro, I did a trade with a dude. I, it was fair on my end for me, like. And I had ways to justify the trade. And I can't remember the specifics of the trade, but uh, it got vetoed. Hmm. And it got vetoed by, like, like two or three people is all it took to overturn the trade. And so I got on the, on the thread talking trash, like, yo, what, what the, what's the deal? Oh, you can't be giving him all the good players like that. I was like, bro, I'm trying to win. You know, and, I and wish they would have vetoed some trades. You know, I, I got mixed feelings about it, bro. Like, in one way, I feel a certain way. You know, and if it's obvious, like, if I'm giving you, like, two backups for uh, a prime player, like, that's obvious, right? Like, that's obvious I'm giving up my team. But my team last year that in this league, I started out 0-4, and, and I was a defending champion. And I started out 0-4, and I completely shook my team up, bro, and I won, like, eight straight games yeah. and, and made it into the playoffs, went to the, I think, semifinals, and I lost. But um, it was one of those things, though, bro, like, that trade – I traded a, a, a commodity name, like a well-known name, for a couple of guys that were up and coming, but weren't quite commodity, right? And it worked, it would have worked for me, and it would have worked for him, but the the league didn't see it that way, and, and they vetoed it. So I kind of felt salty about that a little bit. You know, it is what it is. Yeah. I, I, I ended up I ended up making a better trade anyway. So <laughs> yeah, as much as much as I hated last year, you know, I couldn't be mad at him for getting the trades. Yeah, I was mad at the people for just. Like you dug giving them, yeah, you know, and 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 some of the names, the likes of Pat Mahomes, Cooper Cup, oh. you know, to think of, and and I'm talking about Cooper Cup getting traded to him for four players, one being a player who was active, and three being injured or unactive for See. whatever reason, you know, we're just, it was just distasteful yeah. to the game, you know, and 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 for me, I, I don't know if I'll do that league again because of that, because you know, to me, it's just not 
it's not the way fantasy football is supposed to be done. Um, and I'm not knocking him. I'm not hating on him again because if you can do it, do it. Do it. Right. You know, but you got to be smarter out there. If you're going to get into fantasy football to play fantasy football, don't be, you know, giving away players for nothing. Um, you know, make sure you're getting an equal value. There's plenty of apps out there that you could help you out with your trades, gentlemen. Don't just give away – Ladies and gentlemen, I'm sorry. Secure your investment, man. You're investing to play fantasy football. You're putting some money up to try to win some money. Man, make sure you're doing the right thing and securing your investment, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, Dom, as we as we roll through this thing, it's 4th of July, bro. Um, super excited. I used to love this time as a kid. Yeah. Uh, I used to always blow things up. Yeah. God, I was a pirate when I was a kid, bro. And weren't we all? Try to blow everything up, right? My hands, including your fingers, bottles. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it being Fourth of July, bro, I just wanted to ask you, um, like, what does the Fourth of July mean to you, and and what are like some of your greatest memories from this day? Um, well, you know, you can't, you know, talk about our independence and and, and who we are as a country. You know, it, it's kind of getting harder to see nowadays a little bit more and more. Honestly, to be truthful with you with um, certain rights being taken away and things like that. Um, but, you know, I won't go to, that'll be next episode. We can touch base <laughs> on some of that. Um, but, you know, 4th of July is, is all about independence, man, and being the land of the free and the home of the brave. And, and you know, I, I hold that dear in heart and, and, and love it. You know, every time I sing our national anthem when we're on the side of a, a sideline for a football game or any sporting event of that nature, you know, I just, those words hold true to my heart and and you know just seeing where our country is going a little bit is kind of upsetting but you know the fourth of july is one of my fondest fondest holidays you know to celebrate get together with family like we did the other day um one of my memories you know probably a lot of the roman candle wars you know i don't want to (laughs) shed light on, on doing that children i i do not recommend you out there having firework wars but back in the day when we were young you know we did what we did and you know having some of those battles with the neighbors see who shoots <laughs> off the most artillery shells or see who could hit who with the roman candle from so far away or you know pop bottle rocket wars or yeah. things like that yeah. you know all those things were fun as kids and I, again i don't recommend that now um but you know getting together with family and really enjoying the essence of the holiday and, and watching fireworks go off and and seeing the sparkles in your children's and your mother's and your wife's and husband's eyes are just the greatest thing you know it, it, sure. it, it reminds you of of why we are who we are here in america sure. um even if there's a lot of outside things going on you know i agree with you bro and and a lot of the outside, I'll, I'll call it noise for lack of a better term, but a lot of the outside noise kind of distracts us from what what and who we are. Um, I think, and and we don't, we don't have to dive into it too deep, but I think a lot of the stuff that happens is by design in order to kind of keep us fighting amongst each other. Mm-hmm. Because when there's dissent in a locker room, that locker room is, becomes divided. And oh, yeah. that locker room isn't as strong. That team isn't as strong. And I think that analogy applies to the same to the country too, it right? Does. Uh, the country isn't nothing but a giant locker room, mm-hmm. right? And there's different creeds, different types of people, uh, belief systems, all that, right? Yep. Um, and so I love this day. I'm thankful for this day always. Like you said, land of the free because of the brave. And, um, you know, I'll forever 
Fourth of July forever be one of my favorite holidays. Have so many great memories from this day, man. Like my uncle used to love this day. We blew up Pueblo one time. <laughs> um, but I think for me personally, man, my favorite memory is one that was like my first Fourth of July away from my whole family. So uh, a few years back, we uh, my son was playing baseball and he got to play in a tournament out in Cooperstown, New York. Nice, but it nice. happened to be around the 4th of July. So we flew out actually on July 4th, um, landed in Rochester. And as we're landing, cause my cousin lives in Rochester. As we're landing, I'm watching fireworks go off. So we're watching like explosions from the plane. It was kind of cool. Yeah, and, like, um, like flying into Vegas at nighttime. Yeah, with bombs going off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, uh, that that week, man, like I was I was away from my, my wife at the time, away from my other son and, uh, away from the family, and I'd never done that on Fourth of July. We've always gone together as as a group, and uh, it was just me and AJ and uh, his teammates. And uh, my cousin came down uh, with us out to Cooperstown, and uh, getting to watch my son play baseball. Um, they had a big, big lake out there, bro, next to the next to the city, and um, they took a boat out there and they shot fireworks off from this boat out oh, in the middle amazing. of the lake. And it was dope, man. Like Fireworks over water is dude, always the most beautiful dude, thing. That the you, reflections. Oh, and, my gosh. Yeah, bro. Like And, and it was I, – I got to see the Cooperstown – or the Baseball Hall of Fame, uh, the Wax Museum out there. Like, if you have never been to Cooperstown and you're just a fringe baseball fan, yeah, go because it's – there's so much history there, and it's not all good history, and they put the bad history on display too. Yeah. Like, you know, they have the, uh, the they call it, I think it's the Negro League Hall of Fame, mm-hmm. which is like a wax museum over there. Yeah. And you can, they got so much to learn about some of these cats that, like the satchel pages of the world that you've never heard of that would have smoked Babe Ruth. Yeah. I truly believe that. Babe Ruth ain't hitting 715 home runs off a satchel page. Yeah. Right? But um, just, it was a fun trip, man, and I, it, Seen so many things with my son. My son that loves baseball so much. It was definitely um, one of my one of my proudest dad moments and funnest trips that I had with the Fourth of July. Man, and that's I awesome. Think about it all the time when when this time of year comes up because uh, it was it was fun, bro. Uh, yeah, it's funny you say that that you're flying in and there's fireworks going off underneath you like little bombs. Yesterday we were, we went down and seen one of the most lackluster. Firework displays here in Denver, Colorado. I won't, I won't say the establishment that was throwing on this firework display because we don't need no backlash from that. But my neighbors in the backyard were letting off a better firework display than that. I'll tell you that much. But anyway, on our way home, my son was talking about you know his dreams and one of his biggest fears. And one of his biggest fears is actually flying in an airplane and a firework coming up and hitting an airplane. <laughs> and I said, son, they don't go up that high. And he's still terrified to be in an airplane whenever there's fireworks going off. So I'll have to share my story with him. Yeah, I'll never be flying on the 4th of July until he gets over that fear. Oh, that's so funny, man. Hey, another thing that's great about this holiday, bro, and I'll just mention it briefly. When I left your house the other night, you guys were blowing up some stuff, and it was fun, man. I wish my boys my younger Allegedly. boys my younger boys would have enjoyed it more i will say it was you there was some kids out there lighting fireworks <laughs> right um but it was cool because you got this this older couple that lives right on the end of the street right here oh, yeah. so me and isala pulled up she's like oh look how cute i want to be like that playing cards on my porch and i'm like yeah usually them are the folks that call the police on you yeah not my neighbors Bruh, they had their chairs out in the driveway just yeah no, they're enjoying Dude, the fireworks bro. My- I am tr- 
truly blessed with my neighbors. Um, you know, I got Doug and Laura over here to the right of me. Um, you know, we got Mitch and Angel across the street. You know, they're just great people, dude. I, I'm name dropping them because they're just they're just really great people. You know, when we're away, they keep an eye on our home. When they're away, we keep an eye on their home. You know, scratch each other's backs, and there's never no cops being called whenever there's a party going on. You know, we invited them all and said, hey, we're going to be letting off some stuff tonight, you know, celebrating our country and, and my wife's 40th birthday, and, and, and we definitely did that. And they all enjoyed it as much as we did. So that was great. You're right. That's the great thing about this holiday. That's the community, bro. And to me, community means coming together in unity, right? Yeah. Yep. And I think, I think that's why it's spelled out, come unity. Because yep. right. we come together, man, in unity. And there's we move mountains. We make things happen. We progress. Um, you know, all these bad things that are going on in the world, in, the, in this country, with rights being stripped away or with uh, rights not being evident and... Uh, being painted different ways or whatever. The one thing we got to understand is our voice is the loudest when we're collective and we come together. So that being said, on the 4th of July, man, we just hope that you guys find it in your hearts to come together, come together with each other. Yes, Um, be safe. Yeah, be safe. Enjoy each other's company. Life is short. Uh, As as we, we talked about with the young man from the Baltimore Ravens and then just our community, man, we know life is short. Life isn't promised. So come together and enjoy each other opposed to tearing each other apart. I think there's, a, there's there's ample time for us to tear each other apart, but there's never enough time given for us to come together and build each other up. And I think that's how you get things done, man, is when we come together and build opposed to come together and tear apart. So yes, as we get into our last little segment that I like, I, I came up with a segment called Victory Formation, bro. Because, nice, I like it. You know, anytime you get into victory formation as a coach. We're finishing out. Oh, bro, you're taking off headsets. Yeah. You're like, yep, it's done. That's a great game, yeah, you know. Let's wrap it up. This uh, one's in the books, boys. But I want to give a shout-out to our sponsors, which right now is DNA Sports Training. Yeah, um, we're sponsoring ourselves right now. We're sponsoring ourselves right now, but we're working on that. And if you're interested in, in, in joining the team and, and uh, getting involved with what we're doing, whether it be on the uh, DNA Sports Training side, the DNA Sports Podcast, or uh, any other venture, uh, let's work. Um, me and uh, me and Dom, we're, we're eager to get out there and work with your athletes. Uh, if you've got a camp you want to put together and you just don't have the time to put it together, pass that over to us, man. We'll, we'll, we'll get it to put together for you, organized. Uh, we'll run it. If you want to bring some of your athletes in to help coach it or bring in some of your coaches to help coach it, we'll organize all that stuff, man. Let's get it popping. Let's make it happen. If you're an athlete that wants to be better, uh, wants to get better, wants to come work see harder. Us. Come see us, man. Come holler at us. Uh, websites, uh, DNA Sports Denver dot com. Uh, you'll be able to sign up for for anything on there. Um, also visit us on our socials. We're on Facebook, Twitter, uh, Instagram. Um, what else did I put out there right now? Uh, oh, YouTube, and there's even more. I think I think we're just trying to go full spectrum with it. Yeah, um, and everything's still again in the pilot stages of us us kicking this off. But I will say one thing towards those sponsors out there that are watching, listening, whatever the case may be. Bet on us. All right, we don't need you to do the work for us. We need you to come be a part of this team because we will put in that work to be successful. Um, and you know, again, success is measured in a in a new. In many ways and we are going to put in that work that 
is needed for us to be successful and the athletes that we train to be successful. And if you want to be part of a winning brand, then come on over to DNA Sports because that's what we're here for. I have confidence in myself and I have confidence in my partner here that we're going to take this thing to the next level. So come on out, sponsor us, and invest in something great. Man, I couldn't have said it any better. Uh, Dom, this has been dope, man. First one in the long line of many. Yes, Let's sir. get it popping. Hopefully we can have some more. Uh, again, DNASportsDenver.com. Thank you all for tuning in. Uh, hope you guys have a happy and safe 4th of July weekend, and we'll hit up with you all next time. See you later.